I began to play football when I was six years old and then got on up into uh, junior high school, what they call middle school now, and then uh, always played and then got into high school when I went to Butler High School, which they closed, I think, five or six years ago. At the time, Butler High School was the largest high school in the state of Alabama uh, in terms of, of students. We had more students than any other student population in uh, the state and one of the largest high schools in the southeast. Our schedule, we played locally. We played schools in Georgia, Kentucky, Florida, and we had a regional schedule. Played a lot of places. But I had a problem. I, I was small. That's probably a relative term. But I was small, if you've seen my brother. I weighed 170 pounds. And uh, I was not as fast as a lot of the other guys. So I uh, ended up playing on the offensive line. Uh, when I came in as a, a sophomore, the, uh, the guys that I lined up again against in front of me on the, when I played defensive, the offensive tackle and the tight end, both received scholarships to Mississippi State. And the other offensive tackle went to the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. And the guy beside him went to Florence State. And uh, the guy uh, beside him went to West Point. He played football there and so forth. That was my 10th grade year. And every year there were Division I uh, people. My, uh, my senior year, uh, the guy I lined up against went to Vanderbilt. And his backup, the guy behind him, also uh, got a scholarship to Vanderbilt. And these were big guys. And I, I was not a big guy. But I love football. I love the strategy of it. And it's my, it's my favorite sport. And I love sports. So I stayed out there and, and, and kind of hung in there. But after a while, you, you get tired of putting in all the work and not seeing any results. And I got uh, weary of that, and I thought about quitting very seriously for several weeks and didn't want to tell my parents because I knew what the answer would be there. My dad drove the team bus, and he was close friends with the coaches. I talked to my mom about it and so forth. Well, one of the reasons I didn't quit was, was one of my coaches. And uh, I want to show you this picture I gave it to Andrew to put up for you. This is his picture. His name is John Kirk. This is uh, this past August at my mother's 80th birthday. He and his wife, Judy, he taught at Butler High School and was a coach there. And his wife was also a teacher there. John was one of the assistant coaches and uh, was not my primary position coach. You have a head coach and you have position coaches. But he would coach me frequently. Uh, one day, my, my junior year, when I was walking out to practice, and in the back of my mind was, boy, this is getting old. I'm not making a contribution. I'm just out here going, coming home. If you saw a picture, my junior year in, in the yearbook, I had a, a, a scab. I don't mean like a bruise. I had a scab on my forehead right there uh, from, from practice. 
my helmet uh, just rubbed him up against my head, and it just just had a scab there. It was a lovely thing. And uh, my senior year, I thought I better get that fixed. And so my senior portrait uh, didn't have that feature of that. But anyhow, Tim, Tim thought that was funny. And uh, anyhow, so my junior year, we were walking out to practice. And my position coach, the guy that coached my position, he happened to be walking with me. And he was the one that was coaching myself and all these other Division I players. And uh, he said, hey, Rick, he said, Coach Kirk, this guy. He said, he's been talking to me about you. He's been watching you. And he, he's really impressed with, with what you're doing. Well, well, boy, that was news to me. I'm not even impressed with me. I'm doing the best that I can. But, you know, you kind of hit a, a limit. You hit a ceiling on where you're at. And you feel like, well, I, I've kind of tapped out here. He said, he, he's really impressed with what you're doing. Uh, you, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. You know all of the plays. Uh, you're like a coach on the field, and you're really productive out there. Well, I'm thinking, wow, well, this is new. Maybe there's hope for this, this, this little guy. Now, I was 170 then. I'm probably 180 now, something like that. It's been a while. And... Uh, And so, so uh, we had a little two-minute conversation after the practice field. And my position coach just spoke into my heart about what this man had told him. Now, he had told me some things, but he told me some things that I didn't even know about myself. And I told you all of that to say this, and it fits in with Mother say, that from that moment on, I never thought about quitting again. From my junior year, when I was at a, a point where I thought, this, this is so fatiguing, this is just not worth it. Uh, John Kirk, his words, his words made a difference in my life. Fast forward to the next year, my senior year, I, I stated out, I, I still um, was not a starter. I, I would play some, but I, I didn't start. And I shouldn't have. I'm not uh, upset about that. There were some a lot better guys in front of me. We got to our last game. It was a homecoming game. And we were playing Athens. Now, usually, because we were the largest school... We would handle the smaller schools. But Athens had a player named Freddie Smith. Now, if you've grown up in the state and you're older like me, you know who Freddie Smith was. Freddie Smith was an all-state, all-American player. He played running back and he played linebacker. If you go look today, don't do it now on your phone. But if you look up Freddie Smith, I, I think it's F-R-E-D-D-I-A, Auburn University, to this day, he holds the record for tackles at Auburn, cumulative tackles. He got a scholarship to Auburn, and he still holds the record. He played linebacker there 
out of all the linebackers they've had there, uh, Freddie Smith still holds the record. And they beat us like a drum that night, 42 to 14. When you're a player, you remember these things. Before each game, we had 10 or 11 game seasons. I can't remember now. I think it's 10 games. And we had a bye week in between uh, one of them. Anyhow, the coaches would pick the captains. And so you would go out before the coin toss and at halftime, which is more of a formality, and so forth. You had these responsibilities. You'd lead the team in calisthenics before the game. So they would pick the guys, you know, the, the starters and the, and the guys that were really good players. So homecoming, the last game of our, our career of the seniors, the coaches came. They said, we're going to let you guys pick the captains. We're not going to do it. We're going to let you do it. And so the guys got together and they voted. A guy named Joe Regano, his father was one of the generals here at Redstone Arsenal in the mid-70s. And uh, and myself. And every time I see Joe, he lives up in Washington, D.C. now. The first thing he says, he said, he was a little guy, an Italian guy. He said, hey, remember we were the captains? I said, I remember that, Joe. I remember that. And it was an honor to both of us because neither one of us were, were starters. And I thought, wow, I, I can't believe that. I still can't believe that. And that was in November of 1975. And then in the spring, in April of 1976, we had our awards banquet. And they got all the football players together and they gave out particular awards, and they were specialized awards. You know, the best offensive player, best defensive player, best defensive line, best offensive line, the best linebacker, the best, and a lot of it was on points production and so forth. Well, I've just thought, well, I'm just going to enjoy my dessert. In fact, you want your dessert, I'll eat yours because I'm not going to get anything. I'm not mad about it. I know I don't deserve it. I'll just eat everybody's dessert. So I'm sitting there with my mom and dad. And then at the, at the very end of the thing, after they'd given everything out, Al Smith, who uh, his son passed away last year, and I did his funeral. Um, he was named after his father. And uh, Al got up, and he said uh, he was one of the coaches there. And he said, we, we have an award this year that, that's new. And he said it's based on, on, on character, it's based on consistency, it's based on, on being a good teammate. And he said uh, the coaches gave all the other awards together. We got together and we, we voted and we determined who was going to get the other awards. We felt like we couldn't do this one, that you guys know each other better. And so this award the, the team voted on. And he began to talk about this person. He said a sentence, two sentences, and three sentences in. I thought, he's talking about me. And he did. He called my name. And I, I was, and still, I, I'm stunned. I, I must tell you, it was, it was one of the, the treasured moments of my life. Because it was so unexpected. I almost missed some very special moments in my life because of discouragement. Because of the words 
because of the words of a man. To another person, he had given them to me, but he gave them to another person that gave them to me. It gave me the impetus to continue. Listen carefully. When acknowledgement of your contribution is not given over a period of time, you become discouraged. And that happens to moms. Moms give so much, and they receive so little. And without encouragement, mothers become discouraged. I'm not just talking about mothers with babies and toddlers, and even mothers with teenagers. I'm talking about mothers of college students and mothers that have adult children. Mothers become discouraged, and one day, if you do not give these encouraging words, you will have regrets. I want to talk to you today on something I, I hope will help you. And if you've ever heard me preach, I say that a lot because that's my heart. I hope this will help you. Mother's Day, every day. I think we get it reversed sometimes. We have Thanksgiving. Maybe we ought to have Gripe Day. Just thank the Lord 364 days. Just have one day where we just gripe all day. Get it out of our system. Maybe we ought to have Mother's Day 364 days and then just one day just get upset. I'm exaggerating, of course. But why should we romanticize motherhood on one day out of the year when what, when what our, our mother has done and is doing, not just when we're in diapers, but the burden that she has carried and is carrying is still present. Now, Proverbs 31 contains lessons, listen, that a mother has taught her son. Did you know that? Proverbs 31 contains lessons that a mother has taught her son. Look at Proverbs chapter 31. Look at verse 1. Proverbs 31 and verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, and some people think that's Solomon. We don't have time to go into that. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy, watch this, that his mother taught him. That his mother taught him. Then he goes on in verse 10. He talks about a virtuous woman. And he gives a description for 21 verses from verse 10 to verse 31 about the virtuous woman. And if you notice at the beginning of most of those verses there, it says she, 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 she. And it talks about this virtuous woman. And at the end of this chapter, he recognizes, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. He recognizes this woman as a mother. Uh, Look at the end of the chapter, and this will kind of be our text. We'll look at some other things, but look at Proverbs 31. Look at verse 28. Of this woman, of this mother, of this virtuous woman, the Bible said, Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her children arise up and call her blessed. So that's her kids. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. So that's her husband. 
Now, verse 29 implies that this is her parents. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. That could be her husband. But I don't know. I can't see me telling Paula. Paula, many daughters have done well, but you, I can't see that. Maybe it's a poetic expression, which that's a lot in Proverbs. But ideally, this could be her children, her husband, and her parents. The people that know her best are giving her honor. Mother's Day every day. What are some things we can do to encourage our mom? Maybe your mom has gone on. Well, these are things that you can pass on to your children and your grandchildren about your mother to create a legacy and, and to and, and to keep her, her life alive and to teach them how that they can honor their mother. Number one, if you want to honor your mother every day, you must give her respect. Give her respect. You know, the Bible talks about the principle of authority and uh, having respect for authority in many places. We all know uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, obedience. And then the Bible says, Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. The Bible there says that the way that I treat my parents, the attitude that I have toward my parents, will either make my life a blessing or will make it very difficult. The Bible says that it may be well with you. If you're older and you're having trouble, maybe it's because you sowed some seeds of dishonor. This is the Word of God. This is not just pastor's opinion. Honor your father and mother. Obey your parents that it may be well with you. That your days may be long upon the earth. Not only will it not be well with you, but I believe it will also affect the relationship that you have with your parents. Not just presently, but in the future. And you are sowing the seeds that your own children are going to have with you later in terms of honor. Give her respect. Give her respect. I looked up in the dictionary the term respect. And here's what it means. It means an act of giving special consideration to hold in high esteem or high regard. An antonym, sometimes you understand a word better when you look at the opposite of it. The opposite of respect is to disdain, to disdain, to disregard, to ignore, to neglect, to dishonor. To dishonor. Do you honor your mother? Do you respect your mother? I'm shocked. I'm shocked at the way people talk to their parents. Now, sometimes, and, and I know I'm older, okay, so you can just call me an old man here. That'll be fine. Maybe some of it's a generational thing, but it's still wrong. The way people talk to their parents, it's wrong. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 28, Her children arise 
up. Now I want to ask you a question. Was that literal? Did they literal did they literally stand up? Or is that just a poetic expression? In that day and time, one of the ways that you showed honor to older people and important people is when they when they came in, you stood up. Now I'm not suggesting that every time that your parents walk in the room that you stand up. There's some cultural um, aspects here. But, but the important thing I'm trying to get you to see is honor. That they showed her mother honor. Her children arose up. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 32. The Bible says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. You know what the hoary head is? It's the white head. It's the older person. And honor the face of the old man. And fear thy God, I am the Lord. We dishonor people by our body language. We dishonor people by, by our countenance. We dishonor our parents. Solomon's son, I'm sorry, Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, came in to see him one day. And his brother, he was a sneaky guy, Adonijah, he was a little bit upset by getting passed over for the throne. And so he said, Mom, I have a favor to ask you. I need you to go see my brother. So he sent his mom to go in to see his brother. And so she said, well, okay. So she went in to see the king who was her son. So here is King Solomon in all of his glory. And do you know what he did? 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19 Bathsheba therefore went unto King Solomon to speak unto him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed himself unto her. This is the king. And sat down on his throne and caused a seat, don't miss this, to be set for the king's mother. Now watch, and she sat on his right hand. That's a place of honor. No, the children rising up in Proverbs 31 was not a poetic expression. If you want to honor your mother for the rest of your life, respect her. One of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother that they that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Obedience has to do with your actions. Honor has to do with your attitude. Now, you can technically honor your parents or, or obey your parents and not honor your parents. Now, literally you can't, but technically. You can do what you're supposed to do, but not do it in an honoring fashion. But you cannot honor your parents and not obey your parents. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And then the next verse says, Honor your parents. Well, in the Ten Commandments, the way he phrases it, he doesn't use the word obey. He says, You honor your parents. In other words, it's one and the same. Honoring includes the way that you speak to your parents, the way you speak to your mom. How do you speak to your mother? What tone of voice do you use? What kind of countenance do you have? I'm going to talk about this in a moment, perhaps. 
I think this is factored into the promise of a long life, not just a technical hut two, three, four. You're staying with the confines of what you're supposed to do. But, but do you respect them? I had a high regard for my parents. I wasn't perfectly obedient, but I had a high regard. I still have a high regard for them. Sometimes I read books that people have written about their parents. And I say, I can't believe they said that. Well, it was true. I don't care if it's true. You, you shouldn't do that. That's your mom. That's your dad. You, you can't say that. That's your mama. That's your daddy. You should not shame them. Honor your father. Honor your mother. When our kids were young, we taught them this definition. It's not original with me. Of obedience. Obedience is doing what you're told to do. Do exactly what you're told to do. When you're told to do it, if you don't do it when you're told to do it, it's not obedience. First time obedience. And here's the honor with the right heart attitude. What you're told to do, when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude. One of the best Mother's Day gifts that you give to your mom is just to respect her. And I'm not just talking to the kids. And some of you young people need to get this. Because you've wounded your mom. Some of you older folks need to repent. You need to get down on your knees. You don't need to rise. You need to get down on your knees. I'm sorry. I've done you wrong. I've spoken to you wickedly. I've ignored you. Please forgive me. Forget the card. Forget the gift. Implement repentance. God takes this serious. And the civil laws that He gave Israel, and these are not our laws, but they're Israel's laws. Now, when I read this, I don't know about you, I'd have been killed. All right? Now, I didn't do all of these, but I did some of these. Here's what God said. Exodus twenty-one fifteen: He that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. That's a capital offense. You're not going to the D home. It's a capital offense. Two verses later, Exodus 21, 17. He that curseth his father and his mother, or his mother, shall be slapped on the wrist. This is God's word to the nation of Israel. Shall be surely put to death. You know what the word curseth there in the Hebrew means? It means to make light of, to devalue, to despise, or to hold in contempt. It means when you devalue them, when you, when you curse them in your heart, when you, when you make a face at them, that's it. Now here, here's the, this is a scary one right here. Deuteronomy twenty one eighteen and following. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son. You ever been stubborn and rebellious? I have. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father. That's why I think attentiveness precedes obedience. You're, you teach your kids to obey your voice, not your words, your voice. When they hear your voice, they need to do... That's my mom speaking. Even if they don't understand, they're coming to you. Well, did you say something? Yes, ma'am. 
they will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother. And that when they have chastened him, they will not hearken unto him. Now, this is a civil law for Israel. Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him. Bring him out unto the elders of the city, unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn. He is rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton. He is a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones. And why? And don't miss this because this is, this is the purpose. That he dies so that thou shalt put evil away from you. It's a capital offense. I think most of us would be dead in here. Now, why does this happen? Have you seen these pictures? I was talking to Zach yesterday. I said, man, I pray for you. He's going into work. So I, I don't know how you exercise restraint. I see these pictures of a policeman standing and, and people standing up in their face, spitting on them and yelling at them and cursing at them, and you guys having to restrain yourself. Now, for some of you that are younger than me, there was a day when that didn't happen. It never happened. I'm going to tell you one reason it doesn't happen, because Deuteronomy 21 doesn't happen. Now, I'm not saying it should happen, but we don't spank our kids. There is no fear of authority. There is no respect of authority. There's no respect of God. Respect your mom. If you don't respect your mom, you won't fear God. If you won't respect your dad, you won't fear the Lord. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. The eye that mocketh at his father. Because one of the ways that this is seen is on the countenance. You don't even have to know somebody. But you can see rebellion in the countenance. The eye that mocketh at his father. And despiseth to obey his mother. The ravens of the valley shall pick it out. And the young eagles shall eat it. Notice the association between the countenance mocking, dishonoring authority of the parents. You see, when a scavenger would come upon a dead animal before they would eat the animal, they would come up and they would, they would pick at the eye. Because the eye is the most sensitive thing about the animal. And if, if the animal was dead, it wouldn't move. But if the animal was still alive, it would react and they would leave the animal alone. And kids, when you have dead eyes, I'm not talking about physical dead eyes, but spiritually dead eyes. And there's no life in your countenance. And there's a rebellious countenance. There's no spiritual life there. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 20. A wise son maketh a glad father. But a foolish man despiseth his mother. He disdains her. He holds her in contempt. I spent a lot of time on this. In fact, I went back and revisited. I said, do I need to cut some of this out? And the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me do it. He said, no. In fact, if I want you to preach anything this morning, I want you to preach on this. I'm going to give you some more in a minute. Because this is where we are today. We have no respect as a culture in general. 
for authority. Do you hold your mother in high esteem? Yeah, but you don't know my mom. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Do you respect your mom? Do you honor her? Do you need to repent of your attitude? Do you need to make some apologies? I've often said that if all your mother ever did was to give you birth, you are eternally indebted to her. One of our young men that grew up in church, he heard me say that a lot. He graduated from high school. He got married. They had their first baby. He called me up. He said, hey, can we go out and eat sometime? I said, yeah. We went out to a restaurant. He said, you remember we used to say that? I said, yeah. He said, you know, when you would say that, he said, I, I had a tough home. And I'd say, well, that's his opinion. That my mom was, had some issues. Oh, that's, that's good for him to say he had a good mom. But he said, Brother Rick, when I went in that room and I saw my wife have our first child, and I saw the labor, the labor, all of a sudden it was like blinders came off, and I realized my pastor was right. If all my mother ever did was to have birth and have me and deliver, if that's all she ever did, I'm indebted to her. Do you respect your mom? And I believe for everybody in here, for most of you certainly, and probably for everybody, you're indebted to your mom for far more than that. Give her respect. Number two, give her gratitude. Not only give her respect, but give her gratitude. The Bible says in Psalm 113 and verse 9, that God makes the barren woman to keep house. Now watch this. And to be a joyful mother of children. A joyful mother. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 24 and 25. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. And he that begets a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad. And she that bear thee shall rejoice. Do you make it hard for your mom to be a joyful mother? She receives joy when you walk with the Lord and you do His will. She receives joy when you honor her and you include her in your life. She receives joy when you communicate your appreciation to her. Someone said this, they said, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. In other words, if you don't communicate your gratitude, it's, it's not gratitude. You say, well, I feel it, I just don't tell it. Well, then they don't know it. They don't know anything. That's not gratitude. You see, not only must you, must you be respectful, but you must be grateful. Look in your Bible, I had you there in Proverbs 31. Notice in Proverbs verse, verse 28. Proverbs 31, 28. Her children, here it is, call her blessed. It's a spoken word. They call their mother blessed. They said some things. Now, let me give you some things real quickly here to be grateful. Number one, be grateful for her example. For her example. In 2 Timothy, I ask you to open your Bible there 
verse 1. We'll go back to Proverbs 31 in a minute. Paul talked about Timothy, one of the great leaders in the early church. And uh, he said, Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, unfeigned means sincere without hypocrisy. You're the real deal. When I look at you, you are genuine. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that's in you, Timothy, but which dwelt first, because I knew this lady, Paul said, your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. You know what he said? He said, Timothy, I see it in you, but I saw it in your mother first, and I saw it in your grandmother before her. Timothy's father was not a Christian. Acts chapter 16 says he was an unbelieving Gentile. But his mother had unfeigned faith. She was a sincere Christian. His grandmother was a sincere Christian. And he was impacted by their example, by their walk. Are you grateful for the example that your mom has blazed before you? She spent so much time with you. Your mom has spent more time with you than your dad of necessity. My mom influenced me by her genuineness. I watched my mother stand alone on moral issues many times. Watched my dad too, for that matter. My mother influenced me by her love for the Word of God. I've watched her read her Bible, mark her Bible. My mother has influenced me by her example of faithfulness to God and to His house. My mother has influenced me by her by her service in ministry, by her example. She's been such an example to me. She continues to be. She's 80 years old, soon to be 81. You know, I, uh, I was nine years old and had some musical ability. I didn't know it. And uh, she was the one that discovered it. She, it was her idea to, to get me piano lessons. I am so indebted to her. How is your mother an example to you? Number two, be grateful for her teaching. What has your mother taught you? Again, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 this time, notice in verse 14, Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. What have you learned, Tim? He said, well, these things you've been assured of, you have convictions about, You have an assurance about them. You've got strong convictions about some things. And you need to know of whom thou hast learned them. Who taught you these things? And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Your mother taught you the Old Testament Scriptures. She spent time with you. Investing in you the Word of God. My mom taught me the Word of God. What, What has your mother taught you? I showed you Proverbs 31.1, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. My mom's taught me a lot of wisdom. I remember in the eighth grade, I've told you this before, where she came into um, my bedroom and she said, I want to talk to you. And uh, she said, uh, these, are, these are the best years of your life. She's very serious. She said, these are the best years of your life. I said, yes, ma'am. I kept waiting for the shoe to fall. What was the problem? (laughs) 
There was no problem. These are the best years of your life. So I want you to enjoy them. I said, yes, ma'am. I remember that conversation like it was last week. Great clarity about it. When she left, I thought, well, she was very serious. So whatever that was, that was important to her. So it ought to be important to me. And if you know me, you know I have, for, for some other reasons as well, but I have a great, a great sense of the present, of time. And I think one of those goes back to that conversation. Because she took enough time to invest. She taught me some things. She bought me books. She had books around our house all the time. She read books. We still exchange books. She has taught me. She's teaching me. Be grateful for her influence. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. That from a child, from a child, from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for every ministry in the church, that children's ministry. I'm thankful for our ministry at, at McDonald's School of Necessity. It's a good ministry. It's a right ministry to have. The best children's ministry in the world, according to Deuteronomy chapter 6, is mom, listen, is mom and dad teaching the gospel of grace and the holiness of God to their children. We didn't have, when I was, I, I was old, when I was young, I'm old now, when I was young, we didn't have children's church. We didn't have children's club. To be very honest, I hesitate to say this, church was boring for a kid. I didn't understand the preacher. We would sit there and we had a, a bulletin like, like you received. And on the back of it, they had my pastor's picture. He wrote an article and he had his picture. And every week, uh, I would draw uh, a beard and a mustache on my pastor. Looks like Brother Tim. And if I was really bad, I'd put horns on him like that. Yeah. That's one reason we have no pictures of me on any bulletins. <laughs> I did. That's the truth. I got to do something, you know, and get entertained in church. But that night in church, we had the Lord's Supper. I'd always wanted to do that. And I reached out to partake, and my mom took my hand. She said, you can't do that. And I watched that go down the aisle. Well, there it goes. My chance is lost. I said, why? She said, because you're not a Christian. For the first time in my life, I realized I was lost. I always thought I was saved. Daddy was a deacon. Mama taught Sunday school. We went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. All the time. We never missed. There was a revival. We came every service. We never missed. I went home. I was under conviction for a week. And the next week on February the 18th, 1968, as a nine-year-old boy, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And I was born again. But I was born again because my mother, my mother confronted me with the fact that I was not a Christian. And they had taken me to church. They didn't send me to church. And again, I appreciate all of the things we do here. We will continue to do those things. But I'm talking to church people here this morning. You, you cannot delegate your responsibilities to the youth ministry or the children's ministry. Those are your responsibilities. If, you're, if your mom did that, your daddy did that, 
Thank God for what they taught you. Number three, give her love. Give her love. Just love your mom. Let me mention some things here real quick. Number one, you love her by, by giving her time. You know, as a child gets older and becomes more independent, and they spend more time with their friends, which is natural, then they get a car and they're gone. And that gap becomes further. and You see the child less, even they become an adult. It's a normal thing. But they miss them. One man said this, that love is spelled T-I-M-E, time. One of the most simple, meaningful things you can do to love your mom is just give her your time. Just show up. Just come and sit down. Just call her. Number two, give her your words. Give her your words. You know, when you're young, you're real free with your word. I love you. I won't come. I won't hit you lap. When you get older, you don't say I love you anymore. You get real sophisticated. Give her your words. Look at Proverbs thirty-one twenty-eight. Her children called her blessed. They called her blessed. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 11 said, There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. You say, well, I don't curse my parents. Well, you don't bless them either. You're just kind of neutral. It's not any good. Bless them. Her husband, the Bible says, he praised her. These are words. Words, the word praise there means to boast, to rave about, to celebrate. I tell Paul all the time, man, baby, I won the jackpot. I won the jackpot. I'm talking about her, won the jackpot. And she's one of those that just locks up on the words. I hope she's getting this point right here. I say, honey, what did you win? She said, I got the booby prize. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's have the invitation. And then the parents, in verse 29, Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Look for opportunities to affirm your children, even if they're adult children. I still affirm my children in their 30s, in their 20s. I still communicate words of affection and, and still try to affirm them. And then show them care. Show them compassion. Mothers have an intuitive heart to care and to sacrifice. Let me give you a quote. I I think this is so true. Someone said this. They said, the death of a mother is the first sorrow wept without her. Isn't that profound? The death of a mother is the first sorrow wept without her. That's true. Solomon had uh, two ladies that came before him, and there was a dead baby. You know the story in 1 Kings. And one lady had rolled on top of the baby and killed the, uh, and killed the baby. No, and said that the baby, she, she had killed her baby. And while she was asleep, she went over 
and stole the other baby and replaced her dead baby. And the, the lady woke up that had the living babies. Hey, you stole my baby. She said, no. And there was no way to prove it. So they came to King Solomon, who was the wisest man. This is significant. First Kings chapter 3, verses 25 and following. And here's how he dealt with it. And the king said, divide the living child in two. Give half to the one, half to the other. Then spake the woman, watch this, whose the living child was unto the king. Here it is, the, her bowels, her heart yearned upon her son. And she said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child. And in no wise slay it. But the other, the one who was a trickster, said, let it neither be mine nor thine, but divide it. The king answered and said, give her the living child and no wise slay it, for she is the mother. He knew the heart of a mother. See, a mother, a mother cares. A mother has compassion. Care for your mom. Show compassion. I'm going to skip some things here, Andrew. I've got to finish this. And last of all, give your mother respect. Give her gratitude. Give her love. And then number four, this is a wonderful gift. Give her awareness. Give her awareness. And here's what I mean by awareness. You need to be aware that time is fleeting, that life is brief, that all you have is the present. You see, if you have that awareness that life is short, it will, it will motivate you to do the other things. It will motivate you to respect and to gratitude and to love. Um, last week, I, I uh, was looking at Facebook, and I saw where a friend of mine was in Montana on a mission trip. And uh, I went to school with him. And he had uh, had meetings the night before on Thursday night and talked to some guys. Went back to his cabin and uh, went to bed. And late Thursday night, early Friday morning, he died in his sleep. He's my age. It's awareness. It's an awareness. I'm telling you, it, it, it contemplates, it, it motivates, motivates me to realize, man, life is short. I, I don't know that I have a long time. It's not even what age you are. You don't, you don't have to be real old. If I'm going to do something, I need to do it right now. Precious lady was very sick in her Her son called me. She was dying. And her son called me. Five o'clock one Sunday morning. He said, Brother Rick, she, she passed away. I said, I'll be there. I jumped out of bed. and Put on my blue jeans and t-shirt. I knew him real well. I wouldn't wear a coat and tie anyhow then. But I just put on some old clothes. Went over there. Nobody was there, but just he and his mother. He had been divorced, and nobody was there. Just he and his mother. The funeral home wasn't there. It's was just he and his mother. This precious, precious, godly woman, resting in her bed, 
her body was, she was with the Lord. He was softly weeping. After a period of time, the, the funeral home came and they came in to retrieve the body. And we went into another room. They made those arrangements and then they carried the body out. We followed them out into the road where they had the, the hearse. And I'll never forget, I'll, I'll always remember this, as, as they were about to, to push up into the back of the hearse, as I watched my, my friend drape his body over the top of his mother and just with a deep cry of mourning say, Oh, Mama, Oh, Mama, Oh, Mama, Oh, Mama. You see, I live in a different world than most of you. Most of you never see that. And I see that too much. And it changes you. And it gives me an awareness. And when you leave here, you may forget that until it happens to you. But would you... you, as a gift to your mother. Because if you don't have an impetus, you're not going to do these other things. And, and, and you can give her Mother's Day every day. And you need to make these investments every day so she won't be discouraged. Because a word in time will prevent discouragement. But so you won't have regrets. This past, this past April... Uh, I went to the Madison County Athletic Hall of Fame with my mom and my brother with about twelve or 1,300 people. And I saw my coach, I showed you his picture earlier, as he was inducted into the Madison County Athletic Hall of Fame. And all of us, Hoss and Mom and myself, were able to, to speak to him. And he has had a good influence in my life. I was able to think. He's been to church here before a number of times. But to thank him again. Happy Mother's Day. Take care of your mom. And if, she, if she's gone, tell other people about your mom. Tell them. They need to know about your mom. Tell stories. My mom does that so well. Would you bow your heads with me, would you?